Welcome to Hooked. I'm Rachel, your guide through the perplexing and sometimes deadly world of internet catfishing. Why do people catfish, and how many lies can they tell before they get caught? Stick around to find out in this week's episode of Hooked. In January 2018, 29-year-old Norwegian native Cecilia Fjellia was living in London, where she was both earning a graduate degree and working full-time as a user experience designer. Despite being busy, Cecilia's life was well-organized and manageable, and she figured she could add dating to the mix. So, like many other people in 2018, she signed up for Tinder. She wasn't on the app long before she matched up with Simon Levayev. Simon was a handsome 20-something with short dark hair, round glasses, and a snappy wardrobe. He told Cecilia that while he was from Israel, he spent most of his time now traveling from country to country every few days. Why? Oh, he was just the CEO of LLD Diamonds and the son of billionaire businessman Lev Levayev. His Tinder profile certainly sold this. Simon's pictures all showed him sitting in nice cars, aboard a private jet, always well-dressed in designer clothes and accessories. Cecilia and her match started talking on Tinder, then moved to WhatsApp. Every morning, Simon would text Cecilia good morning and wished her a good night every evening, with lots of chatting back and forth in between. Finally, a few weeks after their first contact, Simon told Cecilia that he was going to be in London for business, but only briefly. So if she wanted to meet up with him in person, they'd have to do it in the next day or two. Excited, Cecilia agreed, and they met in the lobby of the Four Seasons where Simon was staying. It wasn't a serious date, just coffee, but it went well. Cecilia felt a connection with Simon, and most importantly, he was the guy in the pictures and clearly had the money he claimed to have, because he invited Cecilia to come with him to Bulgaria. That night. Cecilia was kind of thrown off by this offer, as anyone would be, and said that she couldn't because she had to work on her dissertation. Simon said that she could work on on the plane, you know, his private one. Cecilia agreed and said she'd go. Simon introduced her to his team, a bodyguard, a secretary, and his business partner. And then off they went to Bulgaria, with Simon promising he'd have her back in London safe and sound the next day. There is video footage of Cecilia and Simon on the plane that night, with Cecilia kissing his cheek. Around 10pm, the group landed and went right to the Hilton, where perhaps some adult activities took place. And just as he promised, the next day, Cecilia was on a plane to London, while Simon flew to yet another country. As their relationship progressed, Cecilia just assumed Simon was seeing other women. She had no proof of this, but what else would a young, jet-setting businessman be doing in his spare time? Simon wasn't really the type to sit around reading a book, and Cecilia wasn't going to hold it against him if he wanted to spoil another woman for the night. He was equally generous with her, and all that mattered to Cecilia was that he answered all her texts within a reasonable amount of time. Simon did that and more. He kept up a constant conversation with Cecilia and sent video and audio messages as well. Two weeks after their first date, Simon flew into London to visit her. Soon after, Cecilia was disappointed that Simon couldn't make her 30th birthday party, but the day of, he sent her a hundred red roses and chocolate. After a month of dating, Simon was referring to Cecilia as his future wife, and they agreed that Cecilia would start looking for a London apartment for the two of them. She sent Simon video after video of all the luxury flats she was touring so he could see them too. He said he couldn't come back to London for a while though because of threats against him. These kind of threats, he said, were pretty standard when one was in the diamond business. 
But when Simon heard that Cecilia was in Oslo for a work conference, he flew there for just a few hours to see her. Cecilia was touched. And so when, a few days later, Simon asked Cecilia if she could link her American Express account to his, Cecilia only had a moment's hesitation. She agreed to link the accounts after Simon explained that his enemies were keeping an eye on his spending to try and track his whereabouts. So to avoid tipping them off, he'd make purchases on Cecilia's account and then pay her back. So that there would be enough money for the two of them, Simon instructed Cecilia to apply for an Amex Platinum card. Cecilia said she'd never get approved because she didn't make the required £200,000 a year. Simon told her to just lie on the application. No one would check. And he was right. Cecilia was approved for the Platinum card. On March 1st, 2018, Cecilia sent Simon the Platinum card. A few weeks later, Simon texted Cecilia a picture of a bloody scalp and a shaky video. According to him, his bodyguard had been attacked while Simon and his team were in Denmark. And while I don't think it's weird that Simon told Cecilia about the incident, just like Danny Mac last week, I do think it's weird that he just sent her the picture with no explanation. Like, at least preempt a picture of a bloody scalp with, Hey babe, I'm okay, but we got into some, some trouble in Denmark. Don't text women dick pics, and don't send them pictures of bloody scalps. The rules are simple, guys. We don't want to see either one. Between March 2nd and March 25th, Simon charged over £75,000 to Cecilia's Amex card. He promised to reimburse her as he spent, but shocker, he wasn't doing that. And he wasn't just buying essentials like food or even flights to work locations. He was going on shopping sprees at designer stores, staying at hotels like the Ritz, and flying international first class. Anytime Cecilia asked about repayment, Simon would tell her to wait for another week or two. At one point he texted her, I promise you it will be finished max on May 1st. I give you my word and everything, no matter what will be my security status. English isn't Simon's first language, hence the odd sentence structure. Unlike most of our other catfish, Simon can actually put a coherent sentence together but he doesn't use that power for good. Within three months of knowing Cecilia, Simon had convinced her to take out loans at 10 different banks and give Simon access to each of them. The total was 2.1 million kroner, or about 40,000 pounds. He kept telling Cecilia that he had sent repayments, the bank just must be holding them for some reason. Cecilia finally texted him, I'm done talking about money with you. Our relationship has been 99% business and money. I just really need the transfer to come through. Simon sent her a screenshot of a £500,000 bank transfer through TD Bank, but of course that money never appeared in Cecilia's bank account. Despite all of this, Cecilia stayed with Simon. Not only that, but she wanted him to meet her friends and family in Norway. So she planned a big party in Oslo on April 21st, where the most important people in her life would gather to meet this awesome guy. Here using the word awesome in the way religious people use it for their deity. A great guy until he's not, and commits mass genocide in anger or something. Simon told Cecilia he couldn't wait to meet everyone, and even put his mother on the phone to talk to Cecilia. But you already know what happened. Simon never showed up. Cecilia's boyfriend stood her up in front of a large group of the people Cecilia loved the most. She was, of course, humiliated, but in the style of her adopted English homeland, she played it down in her text to Simon. Everyone was looking forward to seeing you, and I feel a bit stupid. Simon texted back, I'm so upset. I miss you, love. I want to see you. I'm sorry, but I must finish this shit. I'm assuming by this shit, he meant the shopping spree he was in the middle of on Cecilia's dime. But then Simon went too far. 
right after standing her up in front of everyone she cared about and owing her at least £100,000. Simon asked Cecilia for more money. This was the moment, Cecilia said, when she knew she'd been had. She cut off all contact with him. In response, he left her a threatening voicemail. Hey, I want to tell you something. You can't just disappear and think that everything will be alright. So just watch out. For every action, there will be a reaction. And Simon was right. For every one of his actions, there were about to be reactions. In early May, Cecilia was slowly coming to terms with how deeply in debt she was because of Simon, and was wondering how she was supposed to support herself while also paying back hundreds of thousands of pounds across a dozen bank loans. Around this time, people from American Express tracked Celia down at her office in London. To her surprise, it was not to shake all the money out of her pockets cartoon style. Instead, they told her that American Express had an open investigation on Simon, and Cecilia wasn't the only one who had reported him for stealing her money. In fact, she was one of five women who had contacted the bank. Encouraged by the presence of an investigation, Cecilia reported Simon's crimes to both the Norwegian and British police. Neither of them cared much. Through the American Express contact, Cecilia learned that Simon Levayev wasn't actually Simon Levayev. He had been born Shimun Hayat in a suburb of Tel Aviv and was no relation to the billionaire Lev Levayev. In fact, over the years, the real Levayev had heard of this mysterious son he had and pressed charges against Simon. We're going to keep calling him Simon because he did eventually legally change his name. The town Simon had grown up in was a poor, ultra-Orthodox community where Simon's father was a rabbi. When Simon was 16, he took the opportunity to live with some family friends in Brooklyn, New York. He spent two years in Brooklyn basically keeping out of trouble. But in 2008, when the family was, he was staying with went on a vacation to Disney World, Simon stayed behind. The first three days that the family was in Orlando, Simon spent over $42,000 on dinner, shopping, hotels, and international flights, all charged to his host family's credit cards. The father of the family got a call about unusual activity on his card and immediately flew back to New York alone. But by the time he got there, Simon was already on his way back to Israel. In 2010, when Simon was 20, he used a temp agency to get a job as a nanny for a wealthy family's five-year-old son. Not long after he started working, Simon used the family's checks, and just like two years before in New York, the boy's mother got a call from the bank about suspicious activity on her account. Not suspecting Simon, the mother called him and apologized that she'd need him to watch her son a little longer that day because she had to go to the bank and deal with whatever was going on with her account. When she arrived home hours later, no doubt exhausted, stressed, and poorer than she'd been only a few hours earlier, she discovered her five-year-old child abandoned in the building stairwell and no sign of Simon. Simon kept stealing but discovered a way to be less detectable. Instead of working for a single employer and continuously stealing checks from the same person, he got hired as a handyman and would steal just a few checks at each job location. One check he used to pay himself 250,000 shekels, or about $75,000. With all this stolen money, he bought a Porsche, which he registered in his brother's name without telling him. He also paid for a civilian flight course. He never finished the course, but he did befriend a classmate whom he convinced to bankroll a retail business idea Simon told him about. But of course, the $150,000 Simon was given by his classmate went to support Simon's lavish lifestyle, not to start a business. After finding out that he was wanted for fraud and summoned for a trial, 
Simon bought a fake passport in 2011 for 10,000 shekels and fled Israel. It was sometime between 2011 and 2013 that Simon legally changed his name and hatched his Tinder scheme. This was also the time he put together that team that Cecilia met on her first date with Simon. Looking back, Cecilia is certain they knew exactly what Simon was up to. How could they not? Ironically, it was the presence of Simon's team that had made her feel comfortable flying to Bulgaria with him on a whim. Surely three people wouldn't stand by if this man decided to harm her, right? After he left Israel, Simon settled in Finland and swindled several Scandinavian women out of hundreds of thousands of euros. But in 2015, he was arrested by Finnish police and served two years in prison for his theft while in the country. Then, immediately after being released in Finland, he was extradited to Israel. But he wasn't there for long. His brother and a friend posted bail, and he fled Israel yet again, matching with Cecilia soon after. The number of women Simon conned is unknown, but the women were from Norway, Finland, and Sweden, among other places. One of his victims, a Finnish woman, lost almost 50,000 euros to Simon, all of her savings, and now struggles to support her young daughter on her own. She told the Times of Israel, I hope he gets coronavirus. I hope he dies. That's better, so he won't hurt other women. I haven't been able to rebuild my life because of him to this day. Over his years of conning women, Simon would use, other, would use the funds from one woman to finance the spoiling of another woman, and there really wasn't a downside for him. He always had more than one girlfriend giving him money, and even if or when they caught on and cut him off, it wasn't he that was on the hook for repaying the loans. He just found another woman to fill the empty space. While seeing Cecilia, Simon was also seeing a Swedish woman named Pernia. She and Cecilia look remarkably alike, with pale skin, platinum blonde hair, and round faces. I only saw a picture of one other victim, but it seems Simon prefers blondes. At least 10,000 pounds of Cecilia's money was used to take Pernia on a trip to Amsterdam and to the opera. As the investigation went on, Cecilia and Pernia met, and as tends to happen in these situations, became friends as they bonded over hating the same person. But it wasn't all debt forgiveness by Amex and new besties for Cecilia. When she realized just how much debt she was in, she tried to tell the nearly a dozen banks that it wasn't she who had used the money and she had been the victim of a con. None of them cared. They wanted their money. Even with her mother helping her, Cecilia had no idea how she was going to survive. She started sleeping all the time just so she didn't have to think about her situation and was eventually hospitalized for suicidal thoughts. Before going to the hospital, however, Cecilia contacted the Norwegian tabloid VG. While at least in America and England, we think of tabloids as trashy clickbait in tangible form with stories mostly comprised of lies, VG, or at least the specific reporter Cecilia contacted, embarked on a serious, full-scale investigation. Israeli journalist Uri Blau joined forces with the three VG reporters, and for six months, they traveled to country after country trying to find Simon. Cecilia was the only one of the victims to give an on-camera interview, which you can still find on VG's website, which I'll link in the description. Cecilia and Pernia also gave VG all of their correspondence with Simon. While Cecilia was in the hospital, Pernia was still actively helping VG with their investigation. While she had cut Simon off when she figured out she'd been swindled, for VG, she contacted Simon pretending to have forgiven him and asking him to meet up. She reminded him that he still owed her 50,000 euros, which he had used to buy tickets to Bangkok. He agreed to meet her in Munich, 
Before their conversation ended, though, Simon warned Prania, if you double-cross me, you will pay for it. When the two met in Munich, Prania kept Vigi abreast of every location so they could observe and take pictures. Anyone watching the couple would have just assumed they were on a normal date. Vigi captured pictures of Simon laughing with Prania. On the date, Simon told Prania that he couldn't actually give her cash, but he could give her one of his fancy watches, which she could then exchange for money. When back in Oslo, Pernia and the crew of reporters were unsurprised when an appraiser told her that the watch in question was worthless. Uri Blau, the Israeli journalist working with VG, traveled to Simon's parents' house, where he met Simon's mother. She told Blau that she and her husband hadn't had contact with Simon in years. Whether that was true or not was never proven, but considering how Simon had defrauded his parents' friends after they'd housed and fed him for two years, I can see that happening. Meanwhile, Simon was using his fraudulent passport to hop all over the globe. But the Israeli police, as well as Interpol, were on the alert, and he was finally caught in the summer of 2018. He didn't get his day in court until December of 2019, when he was sentenced to 15 months in prison. But to his victim's horror, Simon served just five months of his sentence before getting released. But he may see the inside of a courtroom again, as anonymous victims told the Times of Israel that they knew of plenty other women getting ready to file cases against Simon. I was getting ready to close this episode out when I decided to see if there was any more recent news on Simon, and I found some. First of all, though his Instagram is private, he's actively posting and has over 95,000 followers. In December 2020, on his social media, Simon posted a video of himself getting the COVID vaccine which at the time, in Israel, was only available to medical personnel and at-risk groups. Apparently Simon, back living in his hometown, went to a vaccination center and was turned away because he didn't qualify. He hung around the entrance and inserted himself into a large group of paramedics, pretending to be one of them. Because of him, security was tightened at his local vaccination center. Unfortunately for Simon, he got the Pfizer vaccine, which means since he was caught just after the first vaccine, he may not have been allowed to get his second one. It also may constitute as breaking the rules of his release from prison. But my very favorite part of the swindled vaccine thing is that after he was found out, Simon threatened to sue the medical center. Why? According to Simon, quote, I am not someone who waits in line or at places. I will not sit and wait three to four hours. No one can say a word about it. He denied that he had impersonated a healthcare worker, saying, I have money. I can buy anyone or anything that I want. He was asked if he had, indeed, bribed his way into getting the vaccine, and he said, let's say perhaps there was a bug in the computer. This is a third world country, after all. Aside from the whole vaccine debacle, the only other recent news I found regarding Simon is that in 2020, Simon's father, a rabbi, was suspected of defrauding hundreds of millions of shekels from business people in conjunction with Simon so the apple may not have fallen far from the tree. Thanks for checking out Hooked this week. We'll be back next week with a new story. But for right now, you can find me on social media on Twitter at HookedPodcast1, that's the number one at the end, on Instagram at HookedPodcast, and on Facebook at HookedThePodcast. Also, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com slash hookedthepod, where you can get access to early episodes and regularly released bonus episodes. Again, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.